Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. A warning that social distancing is here to stay. It is going to take a long time and I think we need to be aware of that. Parliament works from home. In order to achieve social distancing, only 50 MPs are allowed in the chamber, with 120 MPs allowed to join the Zoom call. And why you shouldn't accept travel vouchers for your cancelled holiday. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. The UK's chief medical officer has warned that social distancing in some form is here to stay. Professor Chris Whitty says measures will have to remain in place until we have a vaccine or effective antiviral drugs. Until we have those and the probability of having those any time in the next calendar year are incredibly small, and I think we should be realistic about that, we're going to have to rely on other social measures which of course are very socially disruptive, as everyone is is finding at the moment. But until that point, that is what we will have to do, and it will have to be the the, the best combination uh, that maximises the outlooks. But it's going to take a long time, and I think we need to be aware of that. Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab confirmed the UK is coming through the peak of its outbreak, but the chief medical officer says other countries' experiences mean we're unlikely to see a quick fall in deaths. It came as another 759 people in the UK were confirmed to have died in hospital, bringing the total number of hospital deaths to over 18,000. Earlier, I spoke to Professor Alison Pollock, director of the Newcastle University Centre for Excellence in Regulatory Science. She told me waiting for a vaccine before easing restrictions would be a disaster. It could be nine months or a year and the public will not tolerate that. None of us will tolerate that. And indeed, the collateral damage from COVID may well be greater than COVID itself. We're already seeing children severely damaged because they're being denied their right to education and schooling. We're seeing the fact that the government has failed to shield older people and social care. And we're also seeing the consequences of not having a functioning health and social care service. So community mental health services, community OT, speech therapy, physio, all these services have stopped and the face-to-face contacts are vital. There are many parts of the UK that have very few cases. In those areas, and these include... Orkney, the Western Isles, Isle of Wight, Rutney, Rutland, Blackpool, Hartlepool. In these areas, if you did the contact tracing, in these areas you could begin to relax some of the controls and allow, for example, children to go back to schools 
And the big mistake this government has made is twofold. One is to treat this as a national epidemic rather than hundreds of outbreaks that need to be dealt with. And each of these outbreaks is um, in a different phase and needs to be dealt with at local level. That's the first mistake. And the second mistake has been to not to put in the local capacity and local responsiveness that is needed. This means teams and teams of people to go in and deal with these outbreaks. We do it for sexually transmitted diseases, we do it for TB, and we do it for other infectious diseases. So there is nothing new in this. What is new is simply the scale that we need. But one of the problems is that the government has so decimated and cut back on the public health resource and on local authorities that there is no capacity there to do it. An autopsy in California has revealed that the first US coronavirus-related death came weeks earlier than previously thought. Before today, the first known death in the US was in Seattle on the 26th of February. But new information shows two people in California died at home with COVID-19 on the 6th and 17th of February. The US has now confirmed over 820,000 cases, almost four times the second worst hit country, Spain. President Donald Trump has confirmed he'll temporarily halt applications from foreign nationals seeking permanent residence in the US because of the crisis, a day after he announced the move in a tweet. By pausing immigration, we'll help put unemployed Americans first in line for jobs as America reopens. So important. It would be wrong and unjust for Americans laid off by the virus to be replaced with new immigrant labor flown in from abroad. His presidential opponent, Joe Biden, tweeted that the president needs to stop blaming others and do his job. The Telegraph's Washington correspondent, Rosina Sabour, says the crisis will have a significant impact on the presidential election. The coronavirus will shape Donald Trump and Joe Biden's fight for the White House. Support of policies to flatten the coronavirus curve is falling into two camps, along familiar and partisan lines. It's fueling fury over traditionally contentious issues like the reach of the federal government, and the freedom of religious expression. This divide is ideal for Trump, who enjoyed success in his 2016 race by presenting himself as an anti-establishment candidate. Coronavirus is giving him a unique opportunity to stir up the same anti-establishment sentiment, despite being the head of the government. It'll be something the president will need to rely on, as coronavirus means he and Biden won't be able to campaign in the traditional way. There'll be no rallies, the lifeblood of Trump's campaigns, which he heavily relies on to connect to his supporters. However, he has the distinct advantage of presenting himself as a wartime president in his daily coronavirus briefings. This invaluable airtime puts opponent Joe Biden at a big disadvantage, and the Democratic nominee is struggling to get his voice heard. So much so that he started a podcast from his basement. The former vice president also faces a dilemma over whether to attack Trump's handling of the coronavirus or risk coming across as insensitively scoring political points. But polling between March and April, the period when the coronavirus took hold across America, with thousands of deaths and millions unemployed, saw Trump's approval ratings decline. So Biden could sit back and wait for Trump, who has had several volatile press briefings, to do his work for him. 
In Parliament, a day of firsts. Keir Starmer's first Prime Minister's questions as Labour leader and the first PMQs to be held largely from MPs' sitting rooms. The House of Commons has become the latest workplace to find itself emptier than usual as MPs practice social distancing. Only 50 members of Parliament are allowed in the chamber, with others asking questions from home via video link. The Telegraph's political correspondent Danielle Sheridan says largely it worked. As the coronavirus pandemic continues, Parliament showed how it can adapt. Considering how it has never operated such a virtual PMQs before, it did so with few problems. The Tory MP David Mundell's link failed to connect and the Tory MP Peter Bone was cut off before he'd finished his question, but that aside, things seemed to flow smoothly. The Speaker... Sir Lindsay Hoyle had explained that MPs were expected to practice the same dress code that they would in the House and were warned not to show off with distracting backgrounds. It seemed like some took this advice more seriously than others. The SNP's Ian Blackford decided to ask his question with a couple of signed footballs strategically placed in his background, whereas Labour's Stephen Kinnock stood as he delivered his question against a completely blank backdrop, which seemed to garner him a fair amount of respect on Twitter. The Speaker and the Chief Whip were clear before today that their advice was for MPs to stay in their constituencies and that there would be absolutely no benefit of attending in person. However, some just couldn't stay away, with around 30 MPs showing up in person, including the former Labour leader, Jeremy Corbyn, who at 70 is in the high-risk category for the virus. Perhaps as MPs see how well PMQs function today, more will be minded to stay at home for next week's event. We are yet to see how Parliament will work online when it comes to voting, but that's a topic to discuss for another time. For now, it was a historic moment for the UK and one that we will no doubt remember for a very long time. Cancelled holidays are an inevitable side effect of the current travel restrictions, but finding yourself out of pocket certainly isn't. Consumer watchdog Witch has found the UK's leading travel companies are breaking the law by withholding up to £7 billion worth of cash refunds. They say TUI, Jet2 Holidays, British Airways and EasyJet are among those failing in their legal duty to issue money back on trips impacted by the coronavirus within two weeks. This week, Ryanair told passengers they might have to wait until the pandemic's over for remuneration, which is travel editor Rory Boland says consumers shouldn't have to shoulder the cost. We have huge sympathy for the travel industry and the financial pressure that it, it is in at the moment. But I also have huge sympathy for those consumers, for the, the family of four who contacted me about their Florida holiday, waiting for thousands of pounds. Someone has lost their job and, and they're being told to wait two, three years to get their money back. That's completely unacceptable. We cannot have consumers being asked to effectively loan the travel industry money for years, especially when they are in very difficult circumstances themselves. I'm joined now by The Telegraph's consumer champion, Katie Morley. Katie, you've been looking into what people in this position should do. What advice do you have for those hoping to, frankly, soothe the disappointment of a cancelled holiday with a refund? Yes, we've been hearing from many readers whose holidays have unfortunately been cancelled. And instead of a refund, they've been offered vouchers. Now, naturally, they're obviously very frustrated about this. Under EU rules, they are entitled to a refund to the original payment within seven days. It's important to note that you can accept these vouchers 
but you can also refuse them. And remember, they will be invalid if the airline later goes bust. So my best advice is know your rights and stand your ground with airlines. Check your travel insurance. And if you pay by credit card, remember, you can always try a chargeback if the payment was for more than £100. Good luck and let us know how you get on. If you have travel plans and want to know more about your rights, Katie's written up information on almost every possible scenario and what you can or should do. I'll put the link to that in the show notes. If you have another question, perhaps you'd like one of our other journalists to clarify a point of government policy or how the official figures are counted, record your question on your phone and email it to me. The address is coronaviruspodcast at telegraph.co.uk. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis and I'll be back on Thursday evening with your next update. Don't forget that you can access all of our news, analysis and advice from our unparalleled global health team completely free for the first 30 days. Go to telegraph.co.uk slash audio.